You are now listening to It's a Streamable Life, Crying Clean Life in a Peak Entertainment Era. Hello and welcome to another episode of It's a Streamable Life with your host Lauren. And I'm Brandon. And we are deep into October. Um, the weather's finally changing, kind right. of. <laughs> um, we had a few cool mornings, but it's back up to 70 today. Yeah, it's staying more consistent, though, so. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we don't have a drastic nah, rest nah. in the winter, but, yeah. So, we'll yeah. St- start out with our question of the week. Uh, since we're discussing television, uh, is there a show that you wish you could have been a character on or acted in? Yes. Um, <laughs> this was... I came up with this question and I had trouble answering it. Um, <laughs> right. But, um, oh man. Oh, what was I thinking? There's a couple. Um, one, it sounds, I know I talk about this show a lot and it's a, it's a cartoon and I don't know what that says about me, but Bob's Burgers, I just absolutely love that show. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think that's really kind of funny. And then, it sounds weird because they don't do the best things in the show, but when it first started, I liked it a lot. But um, Shameless with uh, how was her name? Okay. Awesome on is that HBO or Showtime? I think it's Showtime. I think it's Showtime. Yeah. Yeah. I just something about the energy of that show. I always really liked it. So I think uh, yeah, those two. Those are strange, but I really like that show. Okay. I was thinking. I think for me, I always wanted to be either on one of uh, Nickelodeon's like game shows. Oh yes, yes. Specifically, Legend of the Hidden Temple, because I always thought I could do it better than the kids. But I probably would have messed up just like them. Yeah. And then I've always wanted to be like the person who finds a body on Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> That's so specific. Like any of those, like just the first couple of scenes where they're like doing something right, right. obnoxious and then like reality hits are like Tommy what right. is that you know always thought right. that would be a cool role because I mean they always need extras so exactly exactly yeah right. yeah that's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what came to mind right. so uh we'll get into this episode now with our ill list <clears throat> big things going on the last couple of weeks um something we had missed last week was the reveal of Tyler Perry's Atlanta Studios. Yeah. Um, he's made history as the first African American with his own solo film studio, studio. in the nation. Um, and f- apparently from uh, the Twitter links and people talking about it, it's, it's a, an enormous fee. It's 330 acres of land. Jeez. And by that, according to Ava uh, DuVernay, who is one of the stars, one of the several black stars that was invited to the unveiling and like the initial orientation right. of the of the land, it could fit Sony, Disney, and Warner Brothers Studios inside and still have 60 acres left. That's crazy. So yes, he he has this massive land, which used to be, I guess, a a um military base confederate military base yeah um right off i guess it went to highway near the near the airport 
Wow. And he has several sound stages named sound stages named after um, various black actors. Um, he has a replica of the White House there. I guess that's for his show, The Oval. Yeah. Um, and then he also has like a walk of fame for every actor that's been in one of his shows or TV series. So it, it, he has a massive feat. And um, his stuff won't be the only stuff taped there. Apparently, Black Panther was the first film yeah. that was filmed on that land. So um, he's making history for seriously. Yeah. That's just, I saw the pictures and I saw from like they took the tour, and it's just, that's a lot. That is yeah. a lot. It's definitely a lot. Interesting. I think, the price tag on that. Right, right. Some people said they wonder how much it costs, and then people are like, well, once the military base is de decommissioned, it's a lot cheaper. But uh, still, to think, you know, he started out selling these DVDs at the back of his trunk, right. and now he has, he's the first black person to own a, a film studio. Like, but independently, like not, you know, in conjunction with, I guess, mm. a company or counterpart. But yeah, it's it's a huge step for um, blacks and other people in entertainment. Um, and, and, and it's good. You know, people have their opinions about his material and his product, yeah. but you can't say he doesn't employ the black community and and lift the artists up, so. It's a huge fee. I wonder what. I'll, I'd like to see what happens next. So. Right. Yeah. Hopefully everything goes well with that. Yeah. Yeah. And on to news story number two in a much different light. Um, we have Ronan Farrow's Catch and Kill book, which I believe comes out this week. Yeah. Um, and I've heard they've already had the publishers already um, submitted a second round of release because the pre-orders have already wiped out the first shipment if i'm not mistaken it came out today okay yeah it is tuesday yeah that would make right, sense. right right yeah and i'm pretty i saw yesterday that they were ordering a second shipment because the first shipments have already been wiped up right. but um running pharaoh's book catch and kill sort of details the various um i guess individuals or systems that sort of protected predators in the in several realms including entertainment media right. realm and um one of the stories in included in this book is another <clears throat> revealing tale allegation against former today show host matt lauer right yeah and the accusation that he um raped a colleague during the 2013 olympics yeah, 2014 in Sochi, Russia. Yeah, in Sochi, right. Um, very scary allegations. Of course, yeah. he's denying it. The um, victim is asserting that, you know, he's lying. And also, um, Pharaoh's indicated that NBC has covered for him several times, yeah. which, I mean, we kind of expected. But it sort of turned into sort of this battle between NBC's leader and Pharaoh in this book. And who knew what when. Yeah, I feel like a lot more is gonna come down on NBC. I think not just because of this book, but they, they knew everything Matt Lauer did. They and there's no way they didn't. Yeah. But uh yeah, I just think a, a lot more is gonna come down on them in the coming years or so. 
Yeah, and just the fact that they, you know, they had at least two payoffs in India right. with, with women who left after um, accusations. They knew something was going on. Right, right. And even with Ann Curry says in the book that she told them, you know, he's not a good guy. You need to watch out. You need to investigate. Um, yeah, they definitely let let a lot of terrible things go on just to to protect their brand i guess yeah that's exactly what they're doing so we'll have to see how it how it unfolds i'm definitely interested in getting the book but i need to finish some of the books i've already brought right i need a new book man i i, I mean you know what when I, in, in college it was so easy to get books because you can just go to the library take out like five mm-hmm. but then like now it's like you know like, I gotta get to the library or books cost like $16. Yeah, it's kind of hard. And like, I still have books that I purchased or whatever three years ago that I still need to finish, but it's it's a lot. (laughs) There's so much going on. And that brings us to our number one story, which is sort of an assortment of things with Warner Brothers. Um, Yeah. We I kind of missed last week the box office, but Joker surpassed um, I guess expectations with its debut last week, um, beating Venom's October record previously for box office, and it sort of gave a jolt to Warner Brothers' whole hero thing. Um, even questions about a sequel with Joaquin Phoenix or letting him enter other films down the line yeah. um, many people just thought you know this is just a one-time story given how dark and um that's what i'm looking for sort of how how it's just a, a tight solid story to this universe i don't see how you could do a sequel but if the price is right they'll do anything right exactly exactly and then from there, I guess uh, the news got out that Jared Leto was kind of upset that they skipped over his iteration of Joker to make this film. But then it comes out that they're planning a Joker film for him as well. This is too much, man. Like it's it's definitely too much for especially for a character that we've seen since 1963. Right, on the exactly. Like, yeah. Like do something new. <laughs> That's way too much. Yeah. And then um, I guess in a somewhat of a happy note, um, Matt Reeves, the Batman, starring Robert Patterson, cast its Catwoman in Zoe Kravitz. Now, we already talked about this. And after initial news and just shock of it, I've had some time to let it sit in. Mm-hmm. And my opinion has not changed, Lauren. It's not. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I don't give a shit. I'm not doing it. As much as I, I saw the sides of sides, like a comic book, Selena drawing, then Zoe, she definitely looks the part. Like, you can't deny yeah. that. But I don't know if people are familiar with her acting capability. It's not that she's terrible, but she just doesn't. doesn't she's just kind of dry. Yeah. And I've only seen her in a few things. Um, Dope. She basically yeah. just kind of played herself. Right. X Men, whatever. She wasn't alive long enough to do anything. Whoa. And what's the other? 
Well, she's in Big Little Lies. Right. And she's she's not it's weird. She's the one that technically killed Alexander Skarsgård, but isn't yeah. necessarily the main character. But right. even the parts they give her, it's just like Zoe. Try, damn it. Like <laughs> Yeah, I saw uh when that season ended, I saw a lot of feedback that, you know, they just had to pin the murder on the black woman of the show. <laughs> but anywho, yeah, it's it'll be interesting. And I don't know where this Batman's going in terms of story. We know he's he's supposed to be a younger Bruce Wayne. Yeah. We know Jonah Hill is attached. People suspect the penguin. She's gonna play Catwoman. How many villains are gonna be in this film? Right, it's 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 way too much to do. Like, and just today I saw rumors of would you like a Justice League reboot? We just got it. <laughs> like, we know you're not making Marvel money, but you right. you should learn not to try to do what Marvel was doing in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't yeah, know. Go ahead. Oh no, it's, it's all it's all a little bit too much, really. Yeah, I don't. They've got. I I'm guessing some more. Eventually, some more news about it will come because I don't think the film comes out till next year or whenever. Oh, okay. But it just seems like they're just throwing darts at Velcro and expecting it to stick. So yeah. I don't know. Those are the top stories of this week. We'll now transition to our uh, not segment where we have um, actually the season finale of The Terror and episode nine of David Makes Man. And then we will discuss episode two of Mr. Robot. Did you see uh, The Terror and David Makes Man? Yes, I watched both of those uh, <laughs> within the last three hours. Yep. Okay. <laughs> So let's let's go ahead and start with the tear because we can sort of wrap that show up. What did you yeah. think of how the story ended? <clears throat> I thought it was really good how uh, his, in a way, his mother found peace. His 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 birth mother. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me see what else. It was good. It was actually the whole scene with his dad in the sutras and trying to contain yeah. the demon. Uh, one thing that confused me and I, I would have to watch like the last three episodes again I'm I'm still confused on the dynamic between who's Chester's aunt slash mother and his actual mother I know they're sisters but did she betray her in some way I'm just I'm confused like, yeah I yeah I think so she confessed in episode nine that um she was the one that was supposed to go to America and marry this man Okay. And when um I guess she didn't want to go or heard about him, she yeah. decided to sort of coax her sister into doing it because she was essentially jealous of Yuko Chan. She was like the perfect right. child. But because, she missed that she didn't know that she was pregnant. Yeah. Because when in this this episode when she they had the flashback to I think it's nineteen nineteen mm-hmm. and she's getting ready with her sister, uh and she walks out and she, yeah, she just kind of looks, she looks kind of uneasy. That's when I was like, okay, th- did I miss something? And I must've dozed off in episode nine or something, so. <laughs> but yeah, um, she had she had betrayed her and 
was the reason why she was sent to America, but she didn't realize she was pregnant. It would have gone differently if right, she right. wasn't with child. But yeah, that that portion of it was really um, sort of heartbreaking. Right. Yeah. And that guilt she felt that scene where um, they're in the forest and she's she's telling her, you know, I wanted you to suffer the way I suffered, you know, right. the, for the rest of your life. That was rough. Um, I agree. I thought the 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 last two episodes were really good. The season finale was, I think, very poignant. Um, right. The sacrifice Chester's dad makes, even after right. the sort of fracture of their relationship. Right. Right. Which I don't. I didn't blame Chester's dad for because Chester was treating him like shit. Yeah. Found out that he wasn't a biological father. I was like, why are you? Right, no, it wasn't mad at him at all. Yeah, so um, him stepping up and sort of like sparing his life instead of Chester's planning to, you know, take his own to save his family yeah. was really touching. I thought another point that stuck out to me was the very beginning when George Takai has like that dream sequence and he's in the afterlife mm-hmm. seeing all his family members and they get to that last girl who has the burn marks, and then it turns out that the Americans had just dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. It was like, oh. Like, yeah, that was that was jarring, it, and it really m- melded the two horrors together, I guess you'd right, say. Right. Um, we had the horror of the ghost story and the, right. the traditional supernatural, and then the real-life horror of what America did to Hiroshima. Right. Exactly. And I'll, I'll be honest, maybe around like episode four, I was really skeptical of where this show was going to go. But yeah. the way they weaved in the ghost story and the trauma of the past and everything together, it really, it worked really well. Cause it was like, this could either go horribly wrong or, or really, really good. And it turned out to be. Yeah. It turned out really well. Cause I, I was sort of scared by the time I think she, the Yuko character had like, like by the time they figured out what was going on and Chester right. ran ran away, I was like, "What's like? What else is there to do?" Right. And I didn't know how how I didn't exactly know who she was after or what right. was right. going to complete it. But they they did wrap it up nicely. And whoever played the demon, she bro, give her an award, man. Cause yes, she, she act she was acting her ass off. But the just the the physicality that she had to like her it wasn't just like her talking and being scary all the movements and contorting exactly. her body in different ways yeah if, it was incredible if anyone should be nominated I I I I uh, root for her because she played that role excellently yeah. and at the same time we had disaster going on we were focusing on like you said George Takei mm-hmm. and his character and Amy and sort of that that sort of new life they come to uh, near the end of the war. They yeah, yeah. Are, re- are finally free from the prisons. We saw in episode nine to return to their homes and they're not there. Right. Which was sort of crazy. So they, they get, they sort of become refugees in these, I don't know what you call it, like hostile type. Yeah, they, they look like they were living like, yeah, like in a, it was weird because they walked out of that alley. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, you, I think you're right. A, a hospital is probably the best way to describe it. Which is was kind of sad, but um, right. that the whole scene with George Takei and the girl who plays Amy. Let's see if I can find her name real quick. Maybe not. Oh, Miki Ishikawa played Amy Oshida. Um, just sort of like that talk of revenge and them never finding out about Sergeant Bowen. Um, yeah. And he's right. He was telling you, you know, you, you do what you had to do. It was either him or you. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a... Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, all I was going to say is that it, it, this situation, that the internment camps that the U.S. built and, you know, put people in, it's one of those things that, like, I think it's there in everybody's, their mind, but this was such an interesting way to bring the story more into the light. Like a, yeah, you know they could have had like a, a ten episode type HBO type show, but this was so interesting. And I mean, it, it's still a hard thing to digest, especially those scenes with the American soldiers and then how they treated the Japanese American mm-hmm. citizens. But, um, but yeah, they I, it was really good. I liked it. Yeah, and I think as many times the story's been told, we've never really seen it from. The Japanese American res- yeah. perspective—it's always yeah. a war, right? Film, uh, band of brothers type, right? Exactly. Scenario. Even in Manhattan, the one Japanese American character is murdered. Right. Yeah, because yeah, it's always shown in the way where the Americans are the bad guys, but they're not necessarily that bad. When in, yeah, in this it it showed just how evil and disgusting they were. So. Mm-hmm. And I, I I especially liked how the ending um, paid tribute to the actors' families and those who actually, you know, experienced yeah. this. That was right. a real, a real um, impressive, touching moment at the end. Right. Definitely. It really, really grounded the story into history. That like, yes, this this had fictional elements to it, right. but right. but it's a true story, and they're still filming the ramifications. Right. Yeah. So I, I think it was an amazing series. I, I do hope it's nominated for some awards. Sure. And the actress who played Yuko was Kiki Tsukizan. Oh. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but she was amazing. Yeah, she she did it. She she was she was working, man. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Jumping from human to human, killing folks. Ooh. Yeah. So that was a terror, and then we had episode nine of David Makes Man. This shit, man. <laughs> Look, man, this show just it, it. It here's I'll say this to start. I know it's not going to get the love it deserves in any type of Emmy or anything, but right. Everybody in it is so is, is good, you know, but um. We'll stay on topic. You just want to just go at it, just pick it apart, or how do you want to do it? Yeah, just sort of the main points and our what we got out of it. Because it's been a while since I watched it. Right. So uh, basically, um, everyone's sort of preparing for Hurricane Michael. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so you've got David and his family trying to evacuate. They go to who? JG's grandfather's house first, and that didn't work out. No, just because too many too many niggas was in there. Yeah, and then the, the lady on the with the back porch was she smoking crack? I don't know what she was smoking, but it wasn't. 
Gloria said, let's go. Right, and, yeah. She yeah, did. it wasn't working out. So they end up at her mother's house, which was a, a another lesser evil, I guess you'd say. Right, right. Um, and we, we'll get to that later, but they go there. Um, surprisingly, Miss Hertrude and Miss Elijah were together. Yeah, kind of put aside their differences and yeah. checked up together. Yeah, this realized, you know, we got to survive, so that happened. And yeah. then um, one of the highlights to me was Rayan um, and his mother opening their doors for her brother. Yeah. Teo and temporarily Desmond. All yeah. of that. All that shit. Yeah, it was a lot, man. Like the show, like shifted gears, like going from a drama to like a a thriller in like right five seconds. But I, just, um, Raynan's face when there was that knock on the door and then it was Desmond. He's just like, like what? Yeah, it it was shaking. So we've yeah. got these three separate. Well, we won't count Miss Elijah Hurt you because they don't really do anything. But you got these two separate worlds going on during this storm. Um, And then back at the Ville, Shinobi, I guess he stayed because he's he's mentally struggling with the death of Willie D. Um, And before we go any further, we have to talk about that opening. Yeah. Oh, my God. That. That was like uh, I can't even think of the word. It was it was I want to it was jarring, but like in the best way possible. Like it was like yeah. Um, I I know I tweeted like the history that is packed in the show, specifically like Southern Black history. Right, right. Um, is is amazing, and the way it goes from them, you know. Uh, memorializing and mourning Willie D's character to JG because it could have easily been his brother yeah. who who died. That was definitely a moment. Right. So we, we have that sort of um, what do they call them in New Orleans? Oh, their funerals? Uh, oh, I can't remember. Yeah, but essentially that sort of funeral line for right. Willie D, um, and it's like a a dream in David's head, and right. um, he he sees you know it could have been his brother and his mother mourning, um, and then we get into the show. We have Shinobi who's struggling with Willie's death. Um, he's literally seeing his like hallucinating his corpse in the room with him. Yeah, um, and the, the way the show makes you feel for even like the enemies i guess you'd say right yeah it it speaks a lot i don't think another show other than maybe this is us really humanizes everybody yeah um families are preparing to evacuate so let's start with rayon's evacuation situation <laughs> yeah he's in this nice house out of the ville he's chilling listening to music his mother's about to cook him dinner or whatever Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then his uncle shows up. His uncle Teo or Teo or how, I can't remember how he pronounces. Yeah, it. I don't know if that's really his name because Teo in Spanish is uncle. Right, but it's spelled T I O, so I don't know. Right, so I think they're saying Teo. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. 
he arrives and the tension meter goes up. Um, and it made me question how much of the business his mother knew about. Yeah, that's a good knows point. About. It, like, it evident did... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, evidently she knows something because she was saying right. how, um, you know, while Teo was doing that, she was doing it in behind the desk at the pharmacy. Right. Because, yeah, it seemed very much like that's the family business. Yeah. She just didn't want her son involved, but she kind of knew it was going to happen anyways. Mm -hmm. That would explain, you know, them living in this house. Right. Absolutely. Like just the two of them. Right. So um, that kind of goes on. Tail sort of speaking, double talking and yeah, trying to make it all homey. And then there's a knock on the door. Right. <laughs> and Desmond shows up. And as charmingly attractive this boy is, he's scary as hell. Yeah, he's kind of creepy. Just I think it is how it's 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 how normal he looks. Yeah. And I need to just like last week when I told you after we did the podcast that the Shinobi dude was British, I need to know if this dude is actually Jamaican. Cause, right. Cause if not, he's doing a very good accent. Yeah. I need to know if he is from the island. But, yeah. So, so let me they find that out. Yeah. So you keep talking. They sit down for dinner and you know, things seem to be going well, and then things turn left when Rand starts, you know, sort of um I guess he sort of started snitching on Desmond. Yeah, it kind of he starts instigating in a way. Yeah, and they keep going back and forth, and then right. plates are thrown, and a knife right. is drawn out, and then a gun's pulled out. Right. And I had to laugh that they just throw Desmond out of the house during everything. <laughs> yeah, she gave him an umbrella. Yeah, I was like, what? It was just like, go. Okay, damn. Yeah, so that that was intense, um, and then we'll we go to David's situation. Um, before they leave, he sort of has this moment with Tear, uh, Rand's sister. Yeah, and um, you know they can't believe Willie D's gone, and um, you know she still can't believe Saren's missing, and he's he's had to sort of keep this secret the entire time right, right. of what's come of Saren. So um, they have their moment and then the family goes to granddad's, which we said didn't work at oh. all. But yeah. I did notice that JG, um, even though he wasn't being harmed while the environment wasn't particularly safe, he was, he was sort of, unpacking his grief but in like a childlike oh, way right exactly like he's talking to this woman about how you know he can't believe his friend is dead you know and all mm -hmm. that and that's a lot for a child to process and he's he's got no time to really deal with it so i thought that was a, a, a interesting scene yeah and then from there they decide, okay, we can't stay here. So they go to Gloria's mother's house. And Gloria's played by Leela Rashawn Fuqua. Um fame, uh, famous black actress from the nineties. It's good to yeah. see these uh, these actors pop up because no one yeah. else is hiring them. Right, exactly. And while she's she's 
she's uh, late to see her grandkids. Her and Gloria do not have the best relationship. No, not at all. And from jump, it's, you know, if you brought the kids over more often and this and that, and, you know, you're the one who, who had a good man and you should have kept him, blah, blah, blah. But this man was married. Yeah. And, and this is when she was still like 16, right? Right. She was a child. Right. So then um, things get a little heated. She tells the kids, you know, go in the back room. And that's when they get to the root of their issues. And basically we find out that Gloria's father molested her as a child. And when she went to her mother, she didn't believe her. She didn't believe her. And that's unfortunately a common instance when it comes to child abuse right yeah. of that um women tend to not believe their children because they think you know their child's fast or they want their man right. for some reason and that, that was the part that got me is when she said um she she said that one when she said that if she had done the right thing she would have had a good husband and a, a better life by mm-hmm. being with this guy that was too old and he shouldn't have been messing with a 16-year-old. But, and then her father, for both of them, she said, it's always your fault because you're always seducing people. I was like, right. wait a second. Like, it's, it's her fault that he came in there. And, right. and she talking about, oh, he was just trying to tuck you in the bed and you started right. doing this and then the third. No, sis. Right. He was trying to, he was trying to fend you off from that. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, okay. Yeah. And she has a scene with David, you know, where David thinks, you know, I'm a mistake. You know, you didn't, shouldn't have had me. And, you know, she lets him know, no, you're not a mistake. Um, And then we learned that Gloria grew up in a very religiously stringent household. Yeah. That's not surprising. Yeah. And that can lead to, you know, some rebellion and stuff. But um, they, they have a beautiful scene where, you know, she's sort of struggling to calm her nerves. Yeah. And David hands her what, some aspirin or something. Yeah, I, as the way they showed it, I couldn't tell if it were if it was aspirin or if he had gotten like a pain pill. Yeah, one or the other. And, you yeah. know, it, like a she knows. Pill, yeah, yeah. So that sort of, that was like a truce between them. And then, you know, she kind of ex- details, you know, you know, the growing up for them, what growing up for her was like and how she wanted better for them and right. and everything. And then she goes to sleep and that was sort of the episode. And yeah. previews for the next episode look mighty, mighty tense. Like the, the trajectory of the show, although there was these under lining trauma i didn't think it would be bubbling up to this sort of like eruption no but it looks like we're gonna get whatever's happening with saren and uh oh yes i forgot about that the the last scene was saren in a in, car in a car of like a, a gas station service the store part of the gas station or whatever Right, in Tampa, and someone buys him some food, but I don't know who he's with. Right, yeah, that's the thing. So I, I hope, guess we'll figure that out. Yeah. And speaking of Sam, we, we did get one scene of his parents sort of, I don't know, just sort of days that they don't know where their son is. 
And I think it kind of shows as corrupt as they are, you know, no parent wants to be in that situation. Right, not at all. So, yes, it's going to be a very interesting season finale on Wednesday. All right. All right. From from David Makes Man to Mr. Robot, season four, episode two, Payment Required. What were your thoughts on this episode? It okay, it wasn't as confusing. It was it was last episode kind of knocked me off my feet. And I think that's just because it was the first episode back. Yeah. This one was much more tame and I won't say linear because I'm not sure where the fuck Elliot is. Like the last episode we saw him get drugged and I'm not sure what happened. But then I keep getting confused because um how do I say this? It's a uh, I think that just threw me off because I thought they were going to like, I we just didn't see him come out of that. So that's where I'm confused. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 That last, last scene of episode one, they basically, you know, attempted murder him with heroin and then Philip Price brings him back with Narcan. Right. And now we're here with Price, uh, Elliot and Mr. Robot and they're sort of, negotiating this new mutual I don't know alliance I guess yeah that's yeah that's what it seems they're all working towards the same goal so yeah so the episode opens with this with price uh detailing you know uh Mr. Zhang aka White Rose's backstory which was right. very interesting yeah that was that was a I thought that was a good scene all this all the people that he met yeah so basically um white rose is part of a group called the dais group and they're sort of the one person that's quote-unquote controlling the world making the decisions and they're the ones that sort of um they kind of tied him to being the root of the internet and the next stage of sort of like monitoring and controlling our every move through technology, and he has this project in the Congo that's supposed to be the next phase or whatever. And right. um, after Angela's death, Price is ready to sort of um, turn his back on White Rose, but mm. he doesn't know how. And Elliot gives him a plan, and he just doesn't see it coming to fruition. Right. Like he's that afraid of the Deus group. Yeah. And, um, this is kind of jumping ahead, but when they met, when Price met uh, B.D. Wong, I guess at B.D. Wong's house or whatever. Yeah. That was a good scene. And that was like one of the first times we'd ever seen B.D. Wong slash White Rose flustered and frustrated. Like, yes, that, that was a very, a very good point because um, Price you know, let's White Rose know that he's retiring from right, right. like he's through. Um, and this sort of, I guess, puts a wrench in White Rose's plans right. of whatever he's trying to do. And he was flustered. He said, you can't do this. He says, watch me, basically. Right, yeah. And the throwing of the Christmas tree sort of is the first sort of scene of panic 
or right. outward anger we've seen from White Rose, who's normally pretty calm and collected, but it struck yeah, a nerve. Cool. Yeah, I thought that was so. It because you always see um, White Rose kind of just even if somebody has a comeback for she's always on her toes and that and and then she was genuinely like like hold on this can't happen this isn't what i said to happen somebody's going against me and i have no way to fix it and yeah i was like oh mm-hmm. this is good um and then um let's see with their plan price details that they need to get in touch with susan jacobs yeah and I'm glad they included her in the recap because I really forgot, you know, who she right. was, what she was right. doing. Um, and as we remember, Susan Jacobs was the sort of contact at the bank, right? Who met her demise when Darlene and F Society broke into her house, broke into her house, and were living it up. And <laughs> Darlene takes her, her into the pool right. and kills her. So. Um, yeah. She's the key to, to sort of this Trojan horse uh, plan they have. But as we learn later on, um, Elliot learns that Susan Jacobs is CC. So yes. I guess they've got to do sort of like a plan B now. And I kind of like the the trajectory and arc of Darlene and Elliot's relationship because it's always been what's the word I'm looking for symbiotic they need each other but in the start of this series it was Elliot needing Darlene to you know calm him down and now she's hit the other way around right this rough patch and somehow we've we've come to a point in the show where Elliot is the voice of reason in a way and yeah very surprising. Right. So, so like speaking of Darlene, um, this episode she seems to be more balanced, yeah. less rattled, mm-hmm. and and the two sort of reunite because their mother has passed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a scene where the woman explained how how fortunate she was to know their mother and how kind she was. Blah blah. blah and they're looking at her like, who? Right. Exactly. It's not the same woman. <laughs> right. <But> their experience <laughs> with their mother was she she was just horrible to them. Right. So they're getting to her belongings and deciding whether she'll be cremated and whatnot. And this was a really touching scene. Um, they find this Walkman. Yeah. And um, we don't know what's on it, but uh, they listen to it. And it's a recording of them and Angela wishing Angela's mom um, a happy Mother's Day. And I thought that was a beautiful scene, sort of sort of um, allowing them to sort of reconcile with their friend's yeah. death. Because Elliot had yet to sort of really face the, the brevity of her not being there anymore. Yeah, it was kind of, kind of sad. Um. Yeah. So we dart from this sort of touching moment to Dom. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, last time we saw Dom, uh, Dark Army's taxidermist Janice was telling her, you know, you need to do this interview or you're dead. Or right. your mother's dead. So she's 
she's going to do an interview about Santiago. And for a moment, we think Dom is going to spill the beans and sort of reveal um, the truth about Santiago. Yeah. She, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a, she's in a weird place. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it is mostly with her is that she's in a, a dangerous place really of what she can say. Yeah. And you kind of feel bad for her because in the last season when she was so, what's the word I'm saying? I'm looking for. She was, she was just so, like, she was one of the characters that she was like, neutral all the way she was good until shit started mm-hmm. going against her and it kind of started with uh with darlene like yeah we, yeah when they start flirting and they had sex and then she just went she got into more she's like damn yeah she played her yeah dom was definitely sort of other than elliot she was sort of that beacon of righteous right, right. against you know all the corruption and darkness, but now, you know, her trying to do the right thing has landed her in this, in this position. Um, So she, she, um, she goes on with the plan and accuses Santiago of being connected to some drug cartel. And that's what she means by double agent. Masterfully, you know, sells emotions and everything. And she, she decides to, Give a briefing to Janice. Um, Janice's yeah. like, how 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 did it go? <laughs> and Dom's like, you know, um, it went well. He's, she's like, did did he believe you? And she's like, sure, yeah, probably nine point nine percent sure that he believed me. And Janice is just like, oh well, you know, next time make it a hundred. Right. And we see Janice, you know, dribble scribble down Agent Horton's name. And next thing we know, we're seeing a news report that a CIA agent committed suicide. Yeah. So they basically killed that agent, I guess, for safekeeping. Right. Simply because Dom wasn't 100% sure that he bought the story. Right, right. So it's just a very, very fragile ground she's on. Like, yeah. I can't imagine. And then um, we get down to the close of the episode. We still have Elliot and Darlene sort of um, making their next steps. He informs her that, you know, they're going after White Rose. And she's like, well, you have to include me. Yeah, you got to get F Society back. So. Yeah, because you need help. And as much as, as he doesn't want to, she says, you know, you are, I'm already in this. And she's, and this is where she confessed about Susan Jacobs. And yeah. I guess this is a kind of her way of sort of making up for that. In a yeah, sense, I think so. To redeem herself. And this is where the episode throws a freaking F-bomb in right. everything. Darling sort of recalls, you know, oh, yeah, and uh, Vera. Right. He was at, he stopped by your house. Remember I told you that? And Elliot's like, no, you didn't tell me that at all. He's like, yes, I did. Elliot like, is adamant that he doesn't remember this. Right. And, and then, then, then oh, Mr. Robot comes out and he didn't remember it. Right. And he, he adamantly ref- 
refutes that he was told anything about Vera visiting. Right. So then we come to realize that Darlene told somebody, but it wasn't Elliot nor Mr. Robot. So there's a third right. entity right. inside Elliot that she spoke with. And, and the then... We... Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just... I think you're about to say it. I was going to say it's the way we find out the... Uh... The little room and i'm guessing inside elliot's mind yes the boardroom which yeah. um, i i listened to a mr robot podcast you might want to check it out it's called mr robot O. okay and this will recap and go into deep, deeper detail but that was the boardroom from season one where um elliot met tyrell and a bunch of those other uh okay. men but yes we come to, come to the boardroom with um i guess a younger Elliot and his yeah. mom. Right, I think he's. And she's like, kid. yeah, she's like, um, he's coming. Let's go. Right. And it's like, who's coming? So we we will have to see by episode three who this third persona is of Elliot's, and and I guess we'll be seeing Vera pretty soon. Yeah, I. When I figured when they got to that part of there being another uh, another side of him, I, I I just like I'm not even sure who that could be. I mean, yeah, so. I have no idea. And the idea of Vera coming back, like if as if shit's not already tense, like he right. has revenge on his mind. Yeah, that's it. Because he was definitely a thorn in season one. So we'll see how this um, plays out, basically. Right. Yeah, good episode. Yeah, very good episode. And that concludes our not segment. We'll now transition to no concessions. Um, we'll start with the box office, try to start there, and then go into the other stuff. This weekend, we had Joker once again on top. With 55 million, we're bringing its total gross to 193 million. Um, the Adams family came in second, yeah. and unfortunately, uh, Will Smith's Ang Lee Project Gemini Man came in third. Yeah. With 20 million and costs 138 million. That is not good. That is not good. I heard. I heard that the movie is not very good. I even listened to a podcast and they said, you know, while the effects and some of the action was fun, the story just didn't stand yeah. stand up by itself, which is sort of sad. Will, I mean, Will's definitely, you know, he's a bankable star, but some of his films just don't. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. And then we had Abominable, the animated film, Act 4, and Downton Abbey. At number five after four weeks so yeah i guess yeah. we really enjoyed that and then um were there any trailers or any news that you heard during new york comic-con that stood out to you not really not nothing that i really didn't already no. kind of know about but yeah uh, so no i honestly forgot that it was even happening i won't lie but <laughs> yeah it, it always like sneaks up on me i follow uh a lot of people in new york that go to that and then it's like yeah. oh yeah that's always in october or whatever i think the only thing that stood out to me was um i took a look at marvel's runaways 
season three trailer that comes out in December. Yeah. And the big thing there, they're doing a crossover with uh, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. That was a show on oh, Freeform. Yeah. So that should be interesting. And then this teaser for FX's devs. Okay. Um, like, I have no idea what it's about. It's being kept very top secret, but it looks interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Like, I hate when that happens, when there's something that looks good and they give you, like, the smallest amount. Yeah, literally nothing. Right. Um, so, yeah, New York Comic Con, I'll get there one day, maybe. Right. Eventually. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Apple dropped the Truth Be Told trailer. This is their show starring Octavia Spencer and Aaron Paul about right. a... Um, <clears throat> podcaster, true crime podcaster, who's sort of re-examining a case where she sort of assisted um, in the conviction of a murder, and she's thinking that maybe he's not, yeah. he wasn't guilty in the long run. The trailer actually looked really good. Yeah, it did. Um, it's a, a wonderful cast with Ron Cephas Jones, Elizabeth Perkins. Lizzie um, Kaplan. Lizzie Kaplan, who's is like in everything now. Yeah, I just saw her. She's about to be in a show. Oh, yeah, I it's, forgot what it's called. Castle Rock. Yes, that's it. it yeah, season I, it's two. already a show. Yeah, season yeah. two. I just saw that commercial. Yeah, I didn't care for season one, but season two looks really good. Yeah. Um, and she, I think in this show, truth be told, she's playing twins. Yeah, she's playing two people. Like, <laughs> so that's crazy. Really? So. Um, despite me saying I wouldn't get this service, this show was the main thing that sort of drew me in. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'll see episode one or something. I don't know. But yeah, the tra- yeah. trailer looked decent. And then we also received the Bombshell trailer, which is the film um, sort of uh, examining the um, sexual harassment scandal at Fox News, Roger Ailes. Um, Gretchen, uh, Gretchen, um, what's that girl's name? Oh, yeah, I, I, oh, I, I, don't, I can't remember her last name, but her, Megan Kelly, um, and it stars Charlie Starin as Megan Kelly, Nicole Kidman as Gretchen. It's Carlson, Gretchen Carlson. Carlson, okay. And then uh, uh, Margaret Robbie's playing a random character named Kayla. Yeah. Um, we had the teaser a few months before. That's this uh, trailer actually looks, excuse me, looks really good. Yeah, it does. And yeah. they're already talking about like Oscar potential. So, I mean, that that seems a bit much. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always uh, my thing with those type of movies is when, how do I say this? Is what kind of kills like lifetime. I feel like for shit like that, you need to give it time. You know what I mean? Yeah. You need maybe three, four years. I, this is random segue. I took a writing class in college, and it was a nonfiction writing class. And the professor was like, "For if you really want to get into something that's like affected you or whatever, you write about something that's happened five years ago where you're not so emotional still about it, and it, you're kind of not removed, but you have a better idea of." of what truly happened, how you reacted, and you can look yeah. at it from 
a perspective a little bit further away and not so close up. Yeah, I totally agree because like it just happened and yeah. they're already streaming stuff around. That's why like the Richard Jewell movie looks more interesting because there's been right. enough time for like, not for you to forget about it, but for things to sort of come back around and examine it with a better eye. Exactly. That's just like CBS doing this Trump miniseries about James Comey. It's like, right. he's still in office. Right. And this is going to be, uh, I, Lifetime is, I, I'll give Lifetime props because they hire a lot of women, a lot of women direct, and a lot of women mm-hmm. have. But their movies are wild. And the College Scandal movie came on the other weekend, and it is absolute trash. But yeah. <laughs> about, yeah. 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 I, yeah. When I was at the TV festival, the woman mentioned that they were planning that and the Nexium movie. Oh. So yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it looked. I'm more interested in, in it now. I just don't know how I feel about rooting. I know what happened to these women was wrong, and what Roger Ailes did was wrong. But they're still Fox News. Yeah. Pundits. So. Like. Nobody, de- no, ma- no matter their their stance on politically deserves that sort of treatment. Yeah. I think that can be said, but yeah, my whole thing is like, I just don't feel like we're far enough removed to, to sort of, it, it, it seems, this is, it, it's obvious that it's more of a money grab yeah. than trying to bring light to a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I see it. And frankly, I think they miscast for Gretchen with Nicole Kidman because she doesn't yeah. look like her at all. I'm not like kidding. you could have found any other white woman. <laughs> it's yeah. still Nicole Kidman. Right. Okay. Okay. And then I've heard about this film, but I haven't seen the trailer. This Atlantics. Yeah, it kind of blew me away. So this is a Netflix film, and uh, well, it's it's going to be on Netflix in November. 29th and I think the 15th it goes to select theaters around the country uh, and it won a Grand Prix award at this year's Cannes Film Festival in France mm-hmm. but it follows um, so a group of kind of teens like 17, 8 year olds and um, 17, 18 year olds, almost said 8 year olds anyways <laughs> they, um, they li- and they live in Dakar, Senegal and the, the guys are unpaid construction workers and they're upset and so one night they're thinking about, you know, let's get away and let's go to a better life in a different country, kind of like the immigrant stories you have. But what happens is that um, they disappear. They disappear at sea and you have to assume that they've died. Um, oh. And uh, so they come back uh, to their village where they, 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 they're from and they come back as like haunting possessive spirits. And kind of seek vengeance for like not being paid and, oh, uh, that's and all interesting. that. Right, right. And then, but the main character, the guy, I think his name is Suleiman, was in love with. He has like this love story going on with uh, this girl Ada, and she's been promised to another man, and he's coming back to kind of like be with her and try to disrupt that, I guess. But I don't, I don't know. I I've only seen the trailer and I read a little bit about it, but. Um, Man, I, I love foreign films. I like to see African films, you know. This, uh, not just because I'm black, but because I think Africa and the whole 
get such a bad rap about mm-hmm. you know, what they are and, and, and what the, that continent and their countries in between there can, can accomplish. And it's just like, so to see that is a good thing. Yeah, that's that's an interesting premise. I had I had seen the news about it because this was like the first black woman to win that award at right, hands right. or whatever. And but I, I didn't know the story was that that um not perplexed, but that that deep as in it was that broad. Right. So that's very interesting. Yeah, it's really. I can't wait for that. So if it comes here in theaters, I may see it that way. So yeah, yeah. Okay, and then we'll get into things we sort of binge. Um, for me, I was in Target in Dayton a few weeks ago and randomly saw this on DVD and purchased it. Um, Joe Talbot's The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, I heard great things about it um, all year, and I wanted to see it, so I watched it this weekend. And it was really good. Um, basically, it's sort of a mm, sort of semi semi-autobiographical yeah. a little bit. Um, it stars Jimmy Fells, who plays himself, I guess, in the movie, um, and Jonathan Majors, who is an excellent actor and hasn't really gotten that that um, breakthrough role, yeah, but he's been good in everything I've seen him in. Right. Um, But basically they're friends who are living in a gentrified San Francisco and um, Jimmy uh, is sort of, is homeless. So he's been living with his friend Monty, who is Jonathan Major's character. And he has, you know, this goal of sort of buying back the house that his grandfather built there um, in the 1940s. And it sort of speaks on um, just family and sort of like the spaces that Black people are able to consume in America um, and sort of like how that works in this sort of gentrified area. And also just where Black people can exist as themselves anywhere. Because right. um, they're uh, Jimmy and Monty are two different people, but for some reason their friendship holds together. Um, it's beautifully shot, uh, well written, and it sort of stay, sticks with you. Um, it's just a really interesting film, and I hope it sees some type of award love. I don't know if it'll be Oscars because it was an indie film, but it was. Um, it's an A twenty four film. And it was um, backed by Brad Pitt's Plan B as well. So it's it's a really beautiful film. Um, it also stars Danny Glover um, and Tashina Arnold. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for that. So um, I'll have to check that out. Okay. Um, so I watched a movie that I had heard about a lot, um, and that is the killing of a sacred deer. Now this movie has. Uh, once again, bringing up Nicole Kidman. She's in it. Nicole Kidman, uh, Colin Farrell, and uh, well, those are the big names in it. But um, Colin Farrell plays, I think, plays an anesthesiologist or some sort of surgeon or doctor, and he is responsible for the death of one of his patients. And uh, oh, he's like a he's like a cardiovascular surgeon. That's what it is. One of his okay. patients dies on 
the TV, on, on the TV. What am I talking about? On the table. <laughs> on the table. <laughs> and, uh, and so there's that. And then, um, but okay, so that's that. But where the, it takes a twist is that when this man died, his young son is like a teenager, I think he's 16, kind of becomes, he's upset. And what he does is latches on to Colin Farrell's character and kind of consume, kind of makes Colin Farrell pay attention to him. And it's like, uh, but, but not, not right out as a plot of revenge. He's kind of sweetened up. Colin Farrell buys him gifts and like Colin Farrell oh, for okay. dad because his father died, but he mm-hmm. still won't admit guilt. And then the tables turn and uh, the character, his name, well, he's played by um, a guy named Barry Keegan, but his name is Martin. It, Martin's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Um, since you won't, you, you have to kill one of your family members because you killed my father. So it's an eye for an eye. And Colin Farrell's like, I'm not doing that. And so weird stuff starts happening to Colin Farrell's kids. They lose their ability to walk. Um, They eventually try to starve themselves to death. And it's, it's intense, man. It's like, it's really, it's an intense two hour watch, but um, uh, it's good. I don't like to spoil stuff. So I'll just say that for those that haven't seen it, but it's a, the ending's wild. It's a, it's it's not scary, but it's definitely like a like a thriller. Like mm. it sticks with you. Yeah, I definitely heard about it, but I wasn't really sure what it was all about. Right, right. Interesting. Okay, cool. And with that, we conclude our new concession segment, and we'll transition to the feature presentation, where we'll discuss the hundred best TV shows from the twenty first century according to The Guardian. So a few weeks ago, The Guardian posted this article um, listing their picks for this century's 100 best TV shows. Um, So basically anything starting in 2000 or being airing in 2000 to now. Um, Before we get into their top, well, how do we want to do this? Do you want to discuss their top 10 Discuss the shows on the list that we saw and then any that we thought should have been there? Um, I think we can do... How do we see this? I guess what we can do is just... We'll get to the... We'll do the top ten last. We'll... Okay. Like, just briefly talk about the shows we've seen and then what we thought they missed and then we'll get to the top ten. Okay, cool, cool. So um, I'll just, I'll start, I'll just list down the ones I've seen that was on the list. I won't say where they were ranked or anything. Yeah. Um, so they have Insecure. Yeah. HBO's Comedy. They had The Americans. Yes. Um, Killing Eve, which I was happy about. Um, Black Mirror. Yeah. Um, they had Arrested Development, which I truly support the first three seasons as four seasons. Was, <laughs> right, right. No. Um, OJ Made in America which was excellent. Um, they had Atlanta, Game of Thrones, and The Wire. Those are the ones I had seen. All right. Um, what was interesting, because The Guardian is a British publication, that you you got a good mix of American and... And British shows, British, yeah. And British shows. So um, I'd seen Skins, uh, the teenage drama show that was way too much. 
the L word. <laughs> Thanks to my sister Candace. Uh, leftovers. Um, Buffy was on there. I know they had Veep somewhere in there. I can't remember. Um, Shameless made it. The Good Place. Uh, Six Feet Under. Um, I thought it was interesting they had such recent shows or shows that are still going. Like, I yeah. think Succession was on there. I was like, okay, I guess I should watch yeah. that. Just came out. Um, yeah, I didn't add to my yeah. list. Right. Like you said, Insecure was on there. Uh, Doctor Who, loved that show. Uh, the Americans. Um, oh, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the list right now. Um, this is England. That was a British show that kind of focused on 80s England and the kind of turn of mm-hmm. um, that time. Um, let's see, both both versions of The Office, and right. um, outside the top ten, that was that was really it. Yeah. So yeah. Cool, cool. All uh, right. Now, okay. what shows? Oh, oh go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, I just, we're just about to say the same thing. Talking about okay. So which shows do you think they that they omitted that you sh- think should have been on the list? That was kind of the hard part for me. I couldn't really think of anything. I mean, they, they had a wide spectrum of stuff, and I guess the shows that I would have put on there would have just been personal favorites, not necessarily the best television shows. But Yeah, same. I, I thought there were better animated shows than just, you know, like, which um, Rick and Morty. Rick, Rick and Morty should not be on there. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, South Park should be higher. I, I don't watch it that much, but just what that show has done and the type of yeah. drama it stirred up. And I think that's more my complaint. Some things should be higher than others. I say, I'll say that. I don't know what should be added, but. Yeah, I'm surprised the Boondocks wasn't on here. Yeah, that shows like that. That's definitely a pivotal moment, right? But um, maybe they feel different about it over there in England town, right? Um, yeah, I had some personal favorites. Like I had down uh, Underground. I thought that should have been on there. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Um, I had Hannibal because I think that's yeah one of the most brilliant shows. And then I had a brain dead, which was like a personal favorite. Right, right. Um, it only lasted one season, which I think it was supposed to be a limited series, but right. I would have put that on there. I, I forgot to have Veep on my watch list. I still need to watch the final season, but yeah. So yeah, so then we'll get into their top ten of the best shows. Number 10 on their list was Atlanta. Yeah, I was honestly surprised by that. Kind of for yeah. the same reason I said it's, it's such a new show. But mm-hmm. it, and just, just to make a point, there were only two black shows on this entire yeah. list, um, which I guess, I mean, what else would they have put? Yeah. Honestly. Point. Well, three. Oh, yeah, three. Clear. Yeah, Atlanta, and then yeah, Wire. we'll get to it. Yeah, my bad. Number nine, Peep Show, which I had never heard of. Yeah, I've heard of it, and I always see like gifs and memes from it, but yeah, I've never watched it until 
on British show. British show so. Number eight was Fleabag, which I still need to start. Right. Um, I guess that's amazing. But I still think Chewing Gum was just Fleabag before Fleabag. <laughs> yes, number eight was Fleabag, which we both need to start. Right. Uh, number seven was Game of Thrones. Yeah. Very good show until the end. But... um. It's it's definitely a cultural phenomenon, like right. Oh yeah, definitely. It was another mega hit for HBO. Right. Uh, number six was the Office's Office UK, right. the original. Um, I think the US Office would have been better if they had ended season sooner. seven when, uh, uh, like that's such a sour point with me. If it had ended season seven when Steve Carroll's character left. And they had did that episode when he literally is at the the airport with Pam. That would have been perfect. You could just stop right there. Yeah. But the other two seasons, not too much. <laughs> uh, number five was Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, I I've hit some episodes here and there, um, but I definitely didn't start at the beginning. Right. And similar to, excuse me, Office. People are saying the uh, El Camino. Yeah, that sort of epilogue film was unnecessary. So yeah, that's kind of what I've seen. Number four, another British show, The Thick of It. Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, I've never heard of it. I'm not sure where I could see any of these series either. I don't have yeah. Ripbox or whatever. Yeah. Number th- yeah, number three, uh, Mad Men. Yeah, I I accidentally watched that show. Like I. That was one of those things. I was in high school when it started, and I kept hearing about it, and so I just jumped in, and I literally watched from the season. I started season two, and I, I specifically remember like spending a weekend where I didn't have soccer or something, going back and watching season one on demand, and then I was hooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, The Wire. Yes, of course. Yeah, I sort of watched it accidentally. My sister ended up binging it um because i bought season one and then we had hbo now so she watched it i kind of watched it through her yeah but yeah definitely a a piece of art that was definitely underappreciated during its right. time absolutely and then number one another hbo staple which kind of changed the game forever when it came out was the sopranos yeah yeah for sure Definitely a game changer. Um, sort of flipped ahead of what TV could be because for the most part, television shows weren't capable of sort of these grand sort of cinematic right. tellings. And that's that definitely changed the game. Right. And I never, I kind of came to it late because when it was on, I was probably shouldn't have been watching that. But uh, I remember my dad watching it. And then, like in high school years, I I went back and watched it. I was like, yeah, this is this is the shit. Like this is good. <laughs> yeah. So as we come to a close, what are you streaming this weekend? Um, you know, I don't know. I I have honestly have no clue. I there's a lot of stuff that I've said I need to stream. So maybe I'll go back and do all that, like um, Fleabag and get past episode five of Westworld. So maybe I'll do that. Oh, 
there's nothing that's popped out this new that I've really been like, ah, yes, I need to see that. Yeah. But, but you. As much as the new stuff is out there, I really need to sort of like start the the stuff I said I'm going to start. Um, right. I've been dodging Snowfall. Yeah. I've been dodging Succession. Yeah. Um, Fleabag. I still need to finish the final season of Veep. Right. I still need to finish Black Monday. Like, it's ridiculous. I did see the trailer for a film on Netflix called Fractured. Yeah, um, I saw that too. It looked pretty interesting. Star Sam Worthington and shoot, who's uh, Lily Rabe. Yeah. Um, family's out of town and the, their daughter's injured in sort of like a freak accident. So they take her to the hospital. Yeah. And they take the mom and daughter back for some testing, and then they never return. Yeah, they just... they sort of vanish, and the husband's like, you know, saying, you know, it's been hours, and people are saying, you know, they're not in the system. We never saw them, blah blah. So it's sort of like a looks like a psychological type thriller type thing. Yeah. So I might check that out if I'm not watching any other shows. I'm also still doing my rewatch of Agents of Shield, and it's. It's really good. Like people kind of slam season one. Sort of, I definitely fell off the wagon. Yeah. At the beginning, but looking back at it now, it's it was definitely a good show, a solid show, and it's even better now as it it mm-hmm. uh, nears its final season. So I'm enjoying that. All right. Yep. So <clears throat> that's another episode of A Streamable Life. Um, let us know what you think by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts and listen to wherever A Screenable Life is available. Um, also for extra coverage, you can visit AS Life Podcast on Facebook and streamablelife.wordpress.com where we'll have reviews and other tidbits that you may not get here. Right. And we are out for this mm-hmm. day. Peace. Peace. This has been It's a Streamable Life, chronicling life in the peak entertainment era. Listen weekly on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you listen to podcasts.